Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bircher and this is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. Episode 60, The R versus Should, Jobs and Careers. So, I mentioned this story that I'm getting ready to tell you in a couple of previous episodes related to examples in the R versus Should problem. And, it, and, and the more I think about it, you know, what's, this, this jobs and career element of R versus Should is, is what drove me here. And I'm realizing and sort of looking at some notes and, and thinking about what I'm going to talk about this episode, uh, that it's kind of come full circle. <laughs> there's, there's a lot here, and I hope it doesn't go long, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be able to do this in 20 minutes. Um, so first thing I'll say is I want to apologize for something that I said in the past. And I've said this many times. I know I've said it at least a couple times on the podcast. And that is something I heard somebody else say in regards to making choosing your major if you go to college or if you don't go to college. Why would you let an 18-year-old decide the rest of your life? Decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I say that jokingly because <clears throat> when we pick our majors in college, you go, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. You know, you decide that when you're 18 and then when you're 60, you know, this is sort of the, the why it might be funny is that you're obviously going to be wrong. <laughs> well, I think it'll become clear as I tell the story a little more clearly in this episode that I actually think an 18-year-old might know what you want um, because they're living more in the R than most of us do when we're older. By the time we're 40, 50, we're so far into the should. Um, yeah, for much further along into the should, which is a shame, but I think that's probably the norm. <clears throat> so I think the jobs and career element has been a major driver in me even, even thinking about the R versus should problem, and I think it epitomizes, if nothing else, the R versus should problem. And I'm hoping a thorough dive into my job and career R versus should example in a lot more detail than I mentioned in the past might reveal some of these things. And so this is what I used to say. I used to say, we're born dependent on working the rest of our lives. We're born, especially in the United States, and that's what I know, I was born in the United States of America. We are born having made an unconscious agreement with the world that we are going to work 40 hours a week for most of our lives. You know, if we live to be retirement age, we'll have worked 50 out of the 70 years that we've been alive or something like that. I mean, and I've always just felt bad, wronged about that. Like, no, I didn't, this isn't where I, but this, that, that wasn't my choice. This is a stupid, well, who, who made this up? Who made it a requirement that I agree to this? And, and, and hopefully I'll get into a little bit more details about explanations I've heard about why that is. Well, I'll just go, go for it now. So the way I understand this 40-hour work week thing is post-World War II America, you know, in World War II we had nothing. We were rationing. We were making huge sacrifices for the war effort. And then coming back out of that, we all sort of went, that sucked. That was no, there was nothing dreamy about that American dream. How are we going to ensure that our futures uh, compensate for and ensure us against anything like that happening again? We want people to have their needs met. We want people to have homes to live in and food to eat and white picket fences and 1.7 children and a dog 
and um, TV dinners and, 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 and um, conveniences and television and the whole thing. It became this, you know, this reaction to war, and which I, I'm not belittling and I'm not blaming anybody and I can't relate to. It was before my time. Led to things like 40-hour work weeks, unions, um, you know, loans, um, the, you know, government policies that enabled people to better pursue the American dream that we thought were right at the time. And that American dream was all those things I mentioned before with the white big offenses and the, and, the, and the money, the money to buy stuff. As an artifact of that effort, we also created things like mass consumerism, taxes, government waste, income inequality. You know, if you think about it, um, you know, part of the 40-hour work week's intent was to generate a tax base. One of the things I learned early on is that the nice neighborhoods or the nice towns had a good tax base, and the bad areas didn't have a good tax base. In other words, where people worked and paid taxes, those, those areas received expenditures and attention. They had the sewers that worked and the water that wasn't tainted with lead um, or, or whatever, good fire service, good schools, all those things. And so part of the 40-hour work week was to ensure that there was a steady flow of tax coming back into the government, right? So the, it's kind of weird to me that the government, you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, whatever, people that worked for the government, maybe out of good stuff, maybe out of for bad reasons, decided we need a steady flow of taxes so that we can provide. But that also created a government waste and, 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 and differential expenditures. And you know, I'm not sure it was the best idea in the world. But somewhere in the middle of all that is this the idea that money is spent into the, into, um, the consuming economy. And that drives the system to be better. And that if people work more, everything will be better. And so this... Yeah, coming out of World War II, one of the artifacts, and this probably started thousands of years ago, but for, for recent memory and what I can understand and sort of explain and trace back to a meaningful time that relevant to my life and other people listening to this, is that it created um, a one-to-one -one relationship with happiness and money. And that that started this whole job and career thing, right? That, that stimulated what I'll call, you know, the, the path to should, where we shoulded ourselves directly down this path along some, some continuum of having money. And the more money that you had, presumably, the more happiness that you had. In order to make more money, you had to get a better job. And to, in order to get a better job, you had to go to college. And now, back up a few steps, what this also created was some some relationship between money and happiness. Okay, the more money you have, the more happy you are. But the the opportunity to have that money was related somehow to the way you, the, the environment in which you grew up. And I'm just going to call that parenting. Although I do not mean to imply the idyllic mother and father parent role. It could have been any, however you were stewarded into this world at a young age and the resources that you had at your disposal were ended up driving the money machine, right? And, and not to use a term that may not be appropriate anymore, but if you grew up in the ghetto versus growing up um, on the proverbial right side of the tracks, you were going to have a different uh, capacity for 
that money and that happiness. And so there were that, that this continuum started. You know, it was a good idea, maybe, but it didn't account for the fact that not everybody had the same opportunities to get that job. I mean, leave racism out of it. I mean, for God's sakes. Even if everybody grew up with the same, again, parenting, upbringing, let's say, uh, the color of their skin could have determined that. So the system was inherently flawed, or we just jumped past a whole bunch of hoops that we should have considered in the first place uh, and, 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 and didn't make that work out. So there was a, that was a big problem, and it remains a big problem to this day. But, again, in this idyllic world, this problem persists that, that you will, you know, the number one tenet of this R versus should problem is that you should get a good paying job so that you will be happy. Notwithstanding that everybody's capacity to get that job in the first place is vastly different. That's a whole other problem, but like I said in other episodes, I honestly believe those problems can be solved by minimizing our shoulds as individuals and maximizing our R's. We will solve those problems eventually. Hopefully, <laughs> before too long. Okay, that's already 10 minutes in, but that's sort of the background. My specific study, and I've mentioned this before, but one of the big things is that even I diminish the significance of this event in my life. The gist of it is, when I was 18 and in college, and in that point where I'm deciding my major, the only thing that it, you know, I didn't really want to go to college, but I understood that I was going to, uh, based on my parents' wishes and demands, and I had no other idea of anything else to do. And so, um, it's something I would do. And I went into college more interested in partying and sort of living my life and being away from home and and, and having new experiences than I did anything about school and getting a good job. But I did have this belief that if I was going to do it, I was going to do it the way that I thought it was meant to be. And that was, I was going to learn something. I was going to broaden my horizons, ex horizons, expand my mind. I was going to become enlightened. I was going to go down a path and explore the, the, my brain. That's what college was for. I was going to put on my tweed jacket with the, with the leather elbow patches and have important, significant conversations with intellectual people and become a smart person. That's how I looked at it. That's what I thought college was. I had a very 1940s Harvard uh, idea of what college was. I honestly, naively believed that's what it was going to be like. And so when I thought about that and I thought about me and what I had been interested in in high school, which was nothing specific except for philosophy. I was interested in why we were here, what people thought about all these different things. Were wars good? What was government? What did it mean? Uh, who am I? Who am I supposed to be? What are we doing on this planet? Who, who are humans in the grand scheme of things? What is the grand scheme of things? I wanted a little, a little bit about physics and a little bit about biology and a little bit about math. And to me, you know, that, that umbrella that covered all of that stuff was philosophy because that's how it started back in the day with Socrates and Plato, right? As far as I knew about anything than anything, that's what I was supposed to be majoring in. And that's what I did. I didn't really have to think about it too much. I was pretty sure that's what I was supposed to be studying. I was miserably over my head in philosophy, and I wasn't doing very well in college, but that didn't have anything to do with philosophy. Go back to what I said about why I was there. I was having life experiences. I wasn't going to class. 
Um, I was not putting an effort into going to college. My goal was to just hopefully not fail out, and then eventually I'd figure it out, you know, and, and do well. But my dad intervened, and this is the story, and sort of said, what are you doing? You didn't go to college. You, you... To, to do this. You went to college to get a job. Don't kid yourself. One day you're going to want to get paid. Sure, this might be fun, but it's not a job. I sent you to college to get a job. And I'm like, oh, I was wrong. Ah, and that's the first time I realized that most of my ideas are like 50 years outdated. And I was just born in the wrong century. And that college was just like vocational school was in high school. And, why, and then I'm like, why wasn't I in vocational school? I could have just learned plumbing. And gone straight to work. Like, what? What? what's all this BS? And so I, I accepted that and said, all right, well, what kind of job do I want? And I, looked, and I honestly gave it a good, you know, a good effort. And I said, well, what, what's consistent in my life? I mean, I can't do skateboarding or BMX or breakdancing as a job. What's been consistent in my life? And one thing that had for probably five, six, seven years was aquarium fish. And I was just fascinated with water and, and fish. And so I thought, well, that'd be a cool job. I kind of knew that people worked like for the Forest Service. I didn't even know what these things were and were rangers and dealt with our natural resources. And I thought, yeah, that's a job. You work for some state or federal agency and you probably make decent money and you might make a pension. That's the job I'll take. Not what I wanted to do, but that's what will work for me. So I changed my major to fishery science. Very applied, very much, you know, in the pipeline to, to, to graduate with a degree that would get me a job. And that's it. To the extent of when I became interested in grad school and wanted to go to grad school at Tech, the same school, they were like, we don't take our undergrads into our grad school. We train our undergrads to go get jobs. You know, we want graduate students who have been trained to be graduate students. And we didn't do that with you, so tough crap. And anyway... As you know, or may, maybe not, I you know I, I went down that path, and I and, but and I got a PhD and all that other stuff. But then I realized that it was a big crock of shit, and it's not what I wanted to do. So why? Well, I realize now that at that moment, when I conceded and agreed with my dad that college was about getting a job, I let go of one of the last remaining remnants of my sh my R. I let go of that youthful naivety that, 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 that knew who I was and decided that, you know, I was going to go down the should path. And it, later on, when I decided to go to grad school, I solidified my should path. And I just, I went all in on the should, got a PhD, became top 5% of my class, got a job, published papers, got grant money, did the whole thing. I was, you know, not a superstar, but something like that. Because I just said, screw it, I can play this game. I'll just shoot it to death. The more I forgot about who I wanted to be, and the more I doubled down on who I thought I should be, the better I did. I performed. I found success. Except that brand of success sucked. And I realized that when I had my job and I'm sitting at my desk and I, and I saw the next 40 years of my career, and I was like, the accolades, I said this before, the accolades that are available to me now are directly aimed at my ego. And that's not where I want to be. Money, power, notoriety. I don't, 
as much as I want those things, like anybody wants those things, as much as I like want to smoke a cigarette or hit the hit the you know the bong, I want to do those things, but I'm not going to because I know what the what the the the, the after effects are. I know what the results are. I know what that means. It's it's short term pleasure and then disappointment. I've never been into the accolades of success that are related to the should. And the big one, like I said before, is money. And so the accolades or the the uh, the uh, the rewards of the should path are, you know, learn and be smart, get a good job, have money, and be happy. But the learning really didn't have anything to do with it anymore. That was a that was a, a loss leader. That was a that was a lie. It was really just to go through the motions. It was just really abandon your R. And the I, what I learned was the more you double down on the should, the more you can game the system. If you look back at that episode, get the accolades, get the rewards, but it's empty. It's just empty because that brand of success isn't valuable. It's not what I wanted. It's not love and companionship and, um, and empathy and growth and learning and curiosity and creativity and excitement. That's what I wanted. That's why I chose philosophy because I thought that would give me those things. And again, no regrets, right? My path was meant to be. I had to make those mistakes. I had to take 30 years to figure out that my 18-year-old self knew more about what I wanted because it was more in my R than my 20, 30, and 40-year-old selves did because they had just sold out to the should. And, that, and, and that's like the definition of selling out, right? That's why people got mad at Metallica when they, or any band that, that accepts a record deal and gets money and buys new guitars. They, now all of a sudden all their fans said they sold out and they're going to change. Well, there's something to that. There's something to sticking to your R. But then again, I'm not sure that that's the answer. Now, if you're 15, we can talk. And maybe you can figure some of this stuff out and avoid some of the mistakes. But for me, that's the path I had to go on. I had to spend 30 years figuring this stuff out. And so I don't, I don't regret it. Uh, things would have been different. I don't know. I really don't know how they would have been. And I'm very lucky and fortunate that... At almost 50, I have figured out what I want. Because 10 years ago when I started therapy and was asked that question, I would be like, what do you even mean? That's not how it works. It doesn't matter what you want. It's what can I do that somebody will give me money so that I can be happy. Right? That's what how it works. And you know... <laughs> after enough trying and failing and shooting at that target, you know, even including my being a, a professor, that wasn't it. Now I, I truly believe, and I see the dot, connect the dots in my life, that <laughs> this R versus should thing is what it's all about. And the career is the big one that's going to convince you because money versus whatever, satisfaction, creativity, curiosity, all of those things are important. And they're really important in the context of the R. It might not matter at all with the should. And so that's the first 
doubting moment, right? When you really get into the should and you go, well, why, why should I do these things? A lot of it's going to come down to so you can make money, so you can be happy. Now let's back up a few steps. I've mentioned the, uh, the, the concept of communication and understanding before. So it's funny to take that moment, right? When my dad said, you go to college to get a job. And I went, huh? You know, what did he really mean? Did he mean literally that college had, had turned into a vocational trade school? I don't think so because I really, after I went to grad school, I realized there's a lot of room in college for creative creativity and developing your own. You know, the, the liberal arts thing still exists that allows us to become these creative and interesting thinkers and change things. That still exists. Now, it's, it's diminishing greatly and will eventually become extinct, but it's still there. And I don't think that's what my dad meant. What he meant was, I want you to live a good life. I want you to be safe. I want you to have. I don't want you to have to suffer for the things that you need. I want you to have food on the table. I want you to have opportunities. And to him, and to most people, and really in society, those things are related to having money. And certainly, it's easier to get those things if you have money than if you don't. And so, what he was saying was, I don't want you to end up destitute on the street. The only way I know to help you is to encourage you to get a good job and make money. That's what he meant. And what I wanted to say to him and was just unable to, I didn't miscommunicate, I just didn't communicate, I did what I was told, you know, would be, I understand where you're coming from. And I really appreciate that. But I have faith in myself that even though I make some messed up decisions, that I'm going to come out on top. I believe that things are going to be all right. And what I, as naive as it sounds, I think my naivete is going to help me weather these storms of young adulthood and that I will be okay. And can we get to a place, parents and I, where I'm a, I can explore these things and you know, the, and you will watch over me and give me just enough rope to hang myself, but pull me right back in before I get addicted to drugs or something really messed up. Can we do this this way? This is important to me. I see that this is important to you. Do you see what, do you understand what I'm saying? If we could have had the conversation and made each party understand our position, things could have gone completely different. But we just don't do that very well. We just don't do that very well. And what we hear people say is so influenced by our fears and our and our shoulds that we often miss the point. You know, the point was he wanted me to be safe. He wanted me to have a better chance than he did. He didn't want me to suffer in the ways that he did, and he thought this was the answer. I had some other ideas we could have compromised, and I think and I think this is <laughs> always the case. And the and the the big thing, and I'll, I don't. She's not here to defend herself, but I will say my wife is going through a very similar thing. You know, she shooted her way into um, being a doctor, and her my perspective on this. Now, she could completely disagree. Of course, we've talked about this, and I don't think she completely disagrees. But she has found safety in money. So not only do you learn, be smart, get a good job, and get good money, there's one more for her that is be safe. And I just never, I literally never, again, probably because I'm super naive and I had a 
shit ton of white privilege, I just never thought I would end up destitute on the street. I knew I wasn't going to get addicted to hard drugs. I knew I wasn't going to become an alcoholic because I teased myself close enough to those things to be scared to death. And so I, I knew that wasn't going to happen. I knew that I could always have a job. And that's the other part of this that I didn't get into is that I had a ton of jobs, something like 30-some jobs up to this point in my life. And I had two or three or four before I got out of high school. And so I knew what those, those jobs were like. I knew that there were things I could do that weren't going to make me rich, but I could be good at cooking in a kitchen. I could be good at delivering pizza. Um, and I could make, an, I knew how much money I could make doing those things and how it all worked. And I, and I already understood that I could live. And then I got to college and I did some really cruddy jobs, but they, you know, they, they allowed me to go to college and make a little bit of spending cash. Then I worked for my dad in the factories where he managed and I saw how bad some people had it and realized that, you know, the jobs I had in high school were better than this. And, but that also gave me this idea that, all right, all right, all right, maybe I am kidding myself that I don't need any money. Maybe I would like to make, you know, instead of $25,000 a year, maybe I'd like to make fifty. And if that's going to college is what it takes, okay. You know, so, so I had some evidence. But I also just had this fundamental belief, the naivety of youth. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. Again, I'll apologize for saying this too. I often say that youth is wasted on the young. But they're... they're I have to give young people more credit because there's still elements of their ours that they that are more present because we're young and because they haven't been totally filtered out of our systems yet. For some of us. Now I, I wonder if my wife when she was 17, if she was pretty well into the should because she decided by then that she wanted to be a medical doctor. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I think this whole idea, just to sort of reiterate, that we're, we should get a good job and we should have the right career, really you know, finishes us off uh, the R versus should problem. You know, sometime between being in our late teens and early adulthood, if we let it. And uh, hopefully part of what we learn in this process is how to get back on that boat. And then I think secondarily for many of us, when we hit our midlife crisis, a lot of this is, is related to decisions we made at that time, specifically related to jobs and career. So, uh, you know, hopefully that will help you figure out your own job and career um, situation. <laughs> and if you give you a different way of thinking about it. I'm Chris Bercher. This has been Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, episode 60, the R versus should problem, jobs and career. I will see you guys next week with episode 61. Thanks. Take it easy.